in January of this past year, which seems like a lifetime ago, CNN ran a story about Jack and Harriet Morrison. They met in the 50s when he drove a bus for a bus line owned by his father. He was 21 and she was 18, and they were absolutely inseparable from the beginning. They married, and eventually Jack inherited his father's business and was very successful and was able to retire in his 50s. And after he retired, Jack and Harriet traveled the world always together. Well, just about a year and a half ago, Harriet fell and had to go into a nursing home. And then Jack fell ill, and he went to the very same nursing home. Their niece said, and I quote, in the last few months, she developed dementia. So there were days when she remembered him and other days when she didn't. When she had a good day, they would put them together. They'd eat breakfast or have coffee, and they would just sit there and hold hands. Jack and Harriet died on the same day back in January of this year, just hours apart. In their final hours, the staff put them in the same room together, inseparable. They had been married 65 years. What a love story. The text that Brian read earlier from Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 39, is just absolutely chocked full of theological truths that have been dissected and debated for centuries. The best theological minds the church has to offer have written books about the different theological viewpoints. Yet at the heart, the heart of this passage, the message St. Paul is driving home to his readers then and his readers now is a love story. It's a love story between God and his people. Now, this is probably a season during COVID in which some of us may be watching more movies than we normally do. And one genre of movie is a love story or some sort of romantic movie. Now, in the chat box, uh, if you're watching on YouTube this morning, why don't you just list some of your favorite movies that are based on a love story? And I can already just imagine some of the guys absolutely panicking, knowing I can't list one. Well, let me help you out, guys. Uh, one of my favorite movies based, is based on the novel uh, by Victor Hugo, Les Miserables. It's a story of Jean Valjean for uh, a, a young girl for whom he became a father figure, Cosette to also to Marius, the young man who became like a son to Valjean, and of course, a love story between Jean Valjean and the people of his country. So guys, I've helped you out there if anybody is listing a few in the chat box. Les Miserables. Well, back to our uh, text this morning. You cannot read the Bible faithfully without concluding that God is madly in love with his people. And Paul takes this just to another level in Romans chapter 8 in some of the most poignant and poetic words written in the New Testament. Now what I want us to do this morning for our teaching time is to celebrate and explore the inseparable quality of God's love for us. So for example, we see that God's love is inseparable in the unspeakable. Verses 26 through 27 starts with the phrase, in the same way. So whenever we, we see a passage of Scripture start with in the same way, we need to go back up and read. And so what is Paul referring to here? In the previous section, Paul draws a sharp distinction between the sufferings that God's people were experiencing at the time and the future glory 
that we will all have in eternity. My paraphrase here, he says, things may be really bad now, and they may get really bad now, but hold on. Stay faithful, because what awaits us in the future as God's people is going to be absolutely incredible. And then he says, until that time, all creation and all God's people groan as in childbirth, waiting for our redemption, waiting for God to put everything right. And we know, we know things aren't quite right in this world, don't we? And because things are not quite right, we as God's people have a holy discontent. We, we groan. Imagine a woman groaning in childbirth. She groans, but it's groaning eagerly expecting and waiting new life to begin. Well, as God's people, we see, we see what is going on in our world. We see pain. We see suffering. We see poverty. We see injustice. We see racism. And, and we groan, expecting, though, and waiting for God to work and for God to bring new life. And we lament, waiting for God to make things right. For those of you who have the chat feature, just feel free, feel free to throw out some things that you see in this world that you want to see God make right. That you actually want to also partner with God to make those things right in our world today. You want to partner with God to bring the will and the way of heaven on earth as Jesus told us to. So we groan. Now our text takes this to a personal level, though. It says God is the searcher of our hearts and that God the Spirit groans within us and prays for us even when we don't know how to pray, even when we don't have words, even when what we're feeling is just absolutely unspeakable to us. The Spirit intercedes with wordless groans when we don't have words to describe our struggle or weakness. You know, for people who are really close, let's say the, the parent-child relationship or the marriage relationship or the marriage uh, or, or the relationship, excuse me, between really close friends, you can know that someone, you can know someone so well that when they struggle, you know they are struggling. And you may be, you may even lean in and say, you know, it, I just know you're struggling. Can you tell me What's going on? Can you tell me what's the matter? And then sometimes somebody might not even be able to say why. Well, turn that analogy just 90 degrees for a moment. God knows us in a different way. Even when we don't know why we feel the way we do, even when we can't put words to our grief and our pain, the Spirit puts words to our grief and pain. The Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf and prays us toward the will of God. That is the inseparable love of God in the unspeakable struggles. Don't let that reality pass you by this morning. God loves you so much that even when you don't know what's wrong, the Spirit gets in there and groans and speaks and intercedes on your behalf because God loves you so much. Have you ever noticed COVID mood? You know, around our house, sometimes we'll say it's just COVID. You may be feeling anxious or angry or frustrated or sad or depressed, and you just really can't describe it other than just saying COVID. Well, the searcher of your heart, the God who loves you 
And the God who knows you more than you know yourself and better than you know yourself, who loves you deeply, God can describe your pain and your struggle. The Spirit intercedes on your behalf, loves you through the unspeakable struggle and sorrow, and prays you toward the will of God in that struggle. That is a love that will not let you go. When we continue through the text, we see that God's love is also inseparable in the redeemable. Let me read verses 28 through 30 again. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Wow. Verse 28, first of all, is one of the most misunderstood verses in the New Testament of the Bible. And verses 29 and 30 are some of the most debated verses in the New Testament. Let's take verse 28 first. Often when something challenging happens in your life, you will hear someone quote this verse, or at least part of it, and it is usually uh, from a very material and tangible perspective. For example, somebody might say, well, don't worry that you lost your job and you can't food on the table. Surely God has a better job coming for you next. Or somebody might say, hey, too bad that tree fell on in your yard and ruined your roof, but too bad God knew you needed a new roof anyway. That's not good. <laughs> Douglas Moo, who wrote a great commentary on Romans, says seeing verse 28 from this perspective is narrow and materialistic. I mean, we know. History tells us, personal experience tells us that sometimes somebody might lose a job and they may never get a better one. And history and personal experience tells us that trees fall in yards and fall on roof and causes financial hardship. They may, ne may never get better. The good that God will bring out of a challenging situation is not material in nature. It is spiritual in nature. God will bring glory out of the most difficult circumstances and God will redeem all aspects of our lives to shape us into the image and the character of Jesus. There is nothing in your life that God has not allowed to happen. And even though, excuse me, there's nothing in, in your life that God has allowed to happen that God will not use for your good and his glory. Now, God does not cause bad things to happen to us, but God will use those things for your good and his glory. Verses 29 through 30, I mentioned, are some of the most debated in Scripture as they raise the issue of predestination. And there are two basic historic views here. One view says that uh, there's a stream of Christian thought that interprets the doctrine to mean that from the very beginning of time, God predestined some to be Christians and therefore predestine those people to make up the children of God or make up the elect. Conversely, those not predestined do not have the possibility to respond to the offer of salvation in Christ. Then there's another stream of Christian thought that interprets the doctrine of predestination to mean that God, from the very beginning of time, predestined all those 
who would freely choose Jesus to be the elect. Election is God's sovereign plan to have a redeemed people in Christ by repentance and faith. Everyone is free to choose and respond to the gospel. Wise, brilliant, humble scholars have looked at the issue and disagree. But we need to know, in this passage, and in this context, Paul is using the term in a pastoral way to remind us that we don't need to be afraid when trouble, hardship, and suffering comes our way because God is working. And God has been working in the lives of His people from the beginning of time to the present for their ultimate good, which is, again, to conform people into the image of Jesus. And this bears repeating. The good that God is working in your life, the process of turning bad things into good, is about you becoming more and more like Jesus. This means that over time, as God is working in you, you will be able to forgive as Jesus forgives. You will be able to have the compassion that Jesus has for others. You will be able to have a heart for people who are far from God like Jesus does. You will seek to live in a spirit of unity with other Christians. He will form in you the desire to worship the Father and to pray like He does. He will make you love those who don't like you. You see, His inseparable love for you has been on you before you were born. And it is, it is seen in the way that He is sovereign in your life in the way that He redeems all things for your good and for His glory. Inseparable. Inseparable love. Imagine that. You may look back on your life right now and you may say, you know what? That experience was painful. That relationship was painful. That grief took me to moments of despair. But you need to know the love of God is on you. His hand is on you. And He will use all of those experiences, struggles, and pain to shape you to be more like Jesus. To shape your life to bring praise and honor to Him. That is a love that will not let you go. It's also a love that is inseparable in the unbearable. If verses 26 and 27 tell us that God's love is there when we don't even know how to describe the struggle, verses 31 through 39 tells us that God's love is set on us when we can. When we can describe what seems unbearable to us if we try to go it alone. If we try to bear these things by ourselves. Again, Paul describes it as being accused and condemned by others. He describes it as trouble, hardship, and persecutions. He says it's, a, it's, it's in famine. It's just incredible, intense hunger, nakedness, violence, danger by the sword. There's a laundry list of struggles here. Maybe you even want to revisit what you may have posted in the chat room about things in this world you want to see made right. Injustice, racism, and poverty. You just add all those to the list. When these things fall into our lives, or impact us in some way, they can feel unbearable. As a matter of fact, Paul even asked the rhetorical question, do they have to be unbearable? Do we have to face them alone? Do we have to face them alone without the love of Christ? And then verse 37 comes along and says, no, 
in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Did you catch that? We are more than conquerors because we are strong and self-sufficient? No. We are more than conquerors because we're witty and smart and intelligent? No. We are more than conquerors because we live in a certain country, have the biggest army, the fastest jets, the biggest tanks, the most bullets? No. We are more than conquerors because of the love of God. We can conquer the hardest thing life throws our way because of the love of God. Because Jesus, God's Son, went to the cross and He suffered the most unimaginable suffering because He suffered and died for our sins so that we could be one with God. Because He suffered, we can conquer suffering. That's the Gospel. That's the love of God. He will hold you through all this world can throw your way and He will carry you to the next. Paul ends in a flourish of confidence in the love of God. Hear these words again. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in God's in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Inseparable. There is no daylight between you and the love of God. Let's celebrate this morning because His love takes the unspeakable and speaks them in prayer before the Father. He takes experiences and challenges in our lives that we think may never be good and He works and weaves and redeems them for our good and His glory. He takes what seems unbearable and makes it bearable. That is a love. That is a love that will not let you go. We heard the love story of Jack and Harriet Morrison. George Matheson, a pastor in Scotland in the late 1800s, didn't have that kind of love. But he wrote about another love story after experiencing incredible rejection. Matheson met his fiancée in college and before he graduated, tragedy struck his life. He started going blind and losing his vision. And when he broke the news to his fiancée, she broke the engagement off, saying that she just couldn't handle the responsibilities of being married to a man and being able to possibly even have to provide for the both of them. Matheson was very close to his sister who, who, who was close to him in his life, and she helped take care of him, and she helped him navigate life, and she helped him uh, move into the pastorate, and eventually Matheson became a very impactful pastor in Scotland. Well, on the eve of his sister's wedding, just with that event in his life, he began to reflect, and he began to feel again the rejection of his fiancée years earlier. And in that moment of pain, revisited, he wrote the most incredible words 
he penned the lyrics to one of the greatest tributes of love to the love of God in the history of the church. The inseparable love of God. It will not let you go. I want to just offer for you, if you don't know the love of God, I want you to know, first of all, that God loves you incredibly. If you'd like to know how to open your life to the heart of God, let me encourage you uh, to email me to contact our church office. You can find all the information off of our website. And I would love to talk with you more about how you can open your life to this incredible, inseparable love of God. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful and we're so thankful for your love for us. Most fully given and freely given in Jesus and his death on the cross. Lord, we thank you that your love carries us through the most difficult times. We thank you that your love knows us and you know us out of your love and you can speak and intercede and pray for us when we don't even know how to pray. Lord, we thank you for having your hand on our lives throughout every situation. We thank you for holding us in your grace and holding us tight in your love when struggles come our way. God, we ask that you would take our lives and that you would, through your love and through your grace, that you would shape them to be more and more like Jesus. Lord, most fully help us to love like he loved. And to see this world the way you see this world. To desire for this world what you desire for this world. God, we love you and we thank you. And we're humbled by your love for us in Christ Jesus. And we thank you. We thank you for not allowing anything to come in between your love and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.